Welcome to Calvary Christian Church's podcast. We're located on the North Shore of Boston and are committed to being a balanced ministry with a personal touch. Each week, one of our pastors will deliver biblical encouragement and practical application tips for everyday faith living. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the message. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we have so much to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome one and all. So good to see your, your, so good to see you here today to see some of your smiling faces and others. What beautiful mask. I mean, what beautiful mask. We're so happy to see you and have you here and so happy to have so many of you joining us online. God bless you. Not only here in the greater Boston area, but literally from around the world. And again, first time visitors online, please be sure to connect with us so that we can connect with you and first time visitors here in person. I'd love to see you over at the Welcome Center in just a few moments. Uh, you know, just a few moments, the sermon, just a few moments. But anyway, uh, we'll, we will see you over there. Hey, special welcome to Pastor Kendall and Kathleen. I hope I'm saying the last name right. Sperry or Sperry? Just yell it out to me. I got it. I got it. Pastors Calvary Temple Assembly of God in the great metropolis of East Millinocket, Maine. Would you welcome this pastor, pastoral couple, these colleagues today? God bless you. God bless you. So great to have you with us. Uh, I see you're running with a tough crowd there, but we will forgive you for that. Amen. 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 Hey, again, just echoing a, or sounding an amen to all the announcements. Uh, be sure to sign up for our 24-7 prayer as uh, what a great thing to have somebody praying every minute of every hour of every day from Calvary Christian Church. And um, again, I'll see you at that membership luncheon, February 6th. And hey, we want to have the greatest, most spectacular website in the world. Well, let's, let's say in America. And uh, so you can help us out in two ways. Uh, uh, check out the website. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And then others of you, you have some technical abilities in that regard. And uh, maybe you can help us out with the website. And uh, if so, please contact Pastor Layton. Pastor Layton at calvarychristian.church would be awesome to get your help. I don't know if some of you are aware of this, <clears throat> but I have a grandson. <laughs> and uh, it's been a few weeks. I mean, he's like six, seven weeks old now. And it's been a couple of weeks since, uh, since I've shared him with you. And, and some of you really give me grief when, you know, uh, I go too many weeks without showing off the grandkids. So here is a greetings from, uh, uh, from Salem, Bryce Key from East Hartford, Connecticut. What do you think? I get your nose. <laughs> oh, I got your nosey. <gasps> yes, you're a happy baby. You're a happy baby. There he is. There he is. You say, Pastor Tim, what about Savona, your first grandchild? She'll come at the end of the sermon. Now that I have two, I can put them at both ends. So there'll be bookends to the sermon. So I'm, I'm saving uh, Savona for the end of the message. Well, we're in January, which means we're in a month of personal commitment as we uh, 
make our annual renewal commitments to the spiritual disciplines. Three weeks ago, we talked about the power of prayer. Two weeks ago, the power of God's word. Uh, last Sunday, the power of teamwork uh, by Pastor Brigham. Did he not bring an awesome message on the power <clears throat> of teamwork? Today, we'll be talking about the power of giving. And then next Sunday, it's a Sunday you really want to invite all your family and friends to the power of your personal testimony. Have some awesome testimonies next week, including water baptisms, uh, one in each of our three Sunday morning services. And so, so you don't want to miss next Sunday. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you for this awesome opportunity we have every week to gather around your eternal and almighty word. Holy Spirit, come. Teach us what no man can teach us. Open up our heart, our soul, our spirit to the eternal riches of this great, great word of God. Hide your servant now behind the cross, we pray. May Jesus Christ be high and lifted up, for it's in his matchless name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. The power of giving. If you want God's blessing in your life, if you want his favor, his power, and his anointing. You need to build your life on at least three things. Number one, integrity. Number two, humility. And number three, generosity. Those character qualities are an antidote to the three great temptations in life. And today we're gonna focus, we're gonna look at generosity in particular. The title of the sermon, again, is The Power of Giving, but I'll use the word generosity more than the word giving, for giving is the action, the, the act itself, whereas generosity is the heart or the spirit or the attitude behind the giving. Put another way, generosity is love in action. See, if I tell my wife or my children or now my grandchildren, did I tell you I have grandchildren? Uh, if I tell my wife or children or grandchildren that I love them, but I'm not generous with them, I don't really love them. Love gives. You see, you can give without loving, but you cannot really love without giving because love gives. And the reason this biblical principle of giving and this character trait of generosity are so important is because our God is a generous and giving God. And guess what? He wants us to become more like him. So our first point today is that our God is a generous and giving God. And the most famous Bible verse of all makes the point, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And what did he give? He gave his one and only son. He gave the only thing and the only one that could break the bank account of heaven. God gave us all when he gave us his son who left all the glories and riches of heaven to come and live an earthly life, to live a life as a man, the perfect man who could become the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago dying for your sins and mine, rising from the dead so that whosoever believeth in him should not have to perish, but could have everlasting life. And can we just, uh, can we just all agree right here and right now that if God gave us nothing else, giving us Jesus was more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give thanks as we just said, saying in the song, oh my Romans 8.32, however, reminds us that God doesn't stop with the giving 
with giving us Jesus. But look at what comes with Jesus. He, that is God, who did not spare his own son, but gave, there's giving again, gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously or generously give us how many things? All things. Not all the things we want, but all the things we need. One more passage to make the point, though I could give you dozens and dozens and dozens Psalm 145, verse 16, reads like this. Generous, and this is from the message, generous to a fault. I mean, obviously God has no faults, but the modern language here trying to make the point for our human understanding. Generous to a fault, talking about God. Generous to a fault, you lavish your favor on all creatures. Reads like this in the NIV. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of of every living thing. So God's hand is opened to us in lavish generosity today. The question is, will we follow his example? Will we, will we become more like him and open our hands to be lavishly generous as well? Of course, the issue of generosity doesn't start with our hands. It starts with our hearts. Always our hearts and hopefully ends up being expressed through our hands, or more specifically, our opened hands. So we're, going to, we're just going to do a quick word study on generosity today. And, and again, we only have time to look at a handful of script, scriptures. Uh, I had 14 points, and I thought maybe you would want me to just cut it down a little bit. And uh, uh, who, anybody would have stayed with me for all 14 points? I got one hand in the first. Oh, look at it. Now, God's going to forgive you because you may not be telling the truth right there. But anyway... So just, we're just going to look at a few references. And you know, that's a good way to study the Bible. Sometimes you, you pick a word and you just study all the references to that word in the Bible. There's a lot of important words in the Bible, like believe. The word believe is used 272 times in the Bible. But how about praying or prayer? Prayer is used 371 times. How about love? Well, I mean, how can you get anything more important than love? Love is used 714 times. But give or giving is used in the Bible 2,151 times. Why so many references to giving? Because God is a giver. Because God is a giver. Everything we have in our lives is a gift from God. Even the ability to earn a living is a gift from God. So don't kid yourself in thinking that you are your own provider. You would have nothing if God did not give to you the ability to earn a living. There's another reason, though, for so many references to giving. And that is because our human nature is inclined toward selfishness and self-preservation. It's just the way it is. Until, until... Until what? Until Jesus changes our heart and gives us a fresh revelation of what it means to live like him and to experience the power of giving. So point number two today, let's look at some of the benefits of generosity. Number one, generosity indicates a changed heart and life. Generosity indicates a changed heart and life. And I love this. I've never used the story of Zacchaeus uh, to make these kinds of points, but, uh, but Zacchaeus really does help us uh, help make the point here. In Luke 19, 2, here's what we read. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Some translations reads, uh, read a very influential tax collector and was 
very wealthy. You see, you didn't get to such a position like this without being a liar, a cheat, and a thief. Verse 7 refers to him as a notorious sinner. Bad enough to be a sinner, but to be a notorious sinner. How many notorious? No, no, I won't ask that question. All right. But a, a notorious sinner. And of course, many of you know the story. Zacchaeus hears about this guy. Jesus is coming to town and, and uh, he wants to see Jesus and the crowd is thick and he's a short little guy in physical stature. So he can't see over the crowd. So he runs ahead, climbs a tree, sycamore tree, and he's waiting in the tree. And don't you know, Jesus comes right along. Can I promise you this? If you're waiting on Jesus, I promise you he will find you. You go seeking Jesus, Jesus will find you. And so Jesus stops at the bottom of his tree, looks up and says, hey, dude, come on down, man. I'm coming to your house today. Wow, wow, wow. And Zacchaeus is so changed by his encounter with Jesus. According to Jesus in verse nine of this chapter, uh, ex uh, Zacchaeus experiences salvation. Jesus says salvation has come to this home. Here's what Zacchaeus, here's Zacchaeus's response to Jesus' goodness and grace to him, and to salvation. Luke 19, 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 50%. Now, some of you knew what Sunday it was, and you already came, so we're going to be reminded about tithing today. we got to give 10%. We're way past that, folks. We're going to 50% today. Praise God. I, I wish there would have been more. I, they're amening me online. They're saying, preach, pastor, preach. See the hearts fluttering up there. All right. right. He says, I, I, now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, and he had cheated a lot of people. This wasn't just some vague, generic pledge that, that he wouldn't have to fulfill. You know, no one's going to call me on this. No, he says, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What a contrast to the story of the rich young ruler, Mark chapter 10, who came to Jesus and he said, hey, I've followed all the commandments. I've obeyed all the commandments. And, and, and what must I do now to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you lack one thing. He says, what's that? He says, sell everything you got and come follow me. And the Bible says the man went away sad, disappointed, because he was very wealthy. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said a man has experienced three conversions or three salvations, the salvation of his heart, salvation of his head, and the salvation of his wallet. Generosity indicates a changed heart. Number two, generosity honors God. <clears throat> Giving is an act of worship and a recognition that everything we have is a gift from God. So we honor him by being a channel of those blessings and passing them on to others in need. Proverbs 14, 31 says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, capital M. In other words, you're insulting God. But he who is generous to the needy, he who is generous to the needy honors him or honors God. 2 Corinthians 9, 13 says, as a result of your ministry, Paul writing to the Corinthians, uh, uh, thanking them for their ministry. What ministry? Their ministry of giving. He said, you excel in this grace of giving. And how thankful I am that I pastor a church that also excels in this grace of giving. But he says, he says here, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory 
to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. When we are generous, we bring glory and honor to God. And I want you to know God was honored and the needy were helped by Calvary Christian Church this Christmas uh, as our Christmas Eve offering that went to a Convoy of Hope to help those who were impacted by the hurricanes and, and everything down in Kentucky uh, near the end of last year. Our Christmas, I actually underreported it last week or week before, we gave over, over $11,000 to Convoy of Hope that is helping thousands of families, thousands of families get relief today. Generosity honors God. Number three. Oh, this is big. Fasten your seatbelt. Generosity is the cure for materialism. Generosity is the cure for materialism. Now, materialism is all about getting. Get, 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 get. Get all you can and can all you get. It's the idea that we never have enough. We always have to have, how many know we always want just a little bit more. And the only real, true antidote to materialism is giving, generosity. Now, you may say, I'm not materialistic. Well, if you're not a generous giver, yes, you are. Forgive me for being so blunt. Yes, I'm talking to you. If you're not generous, you're materialistic. But every time you give, you break the grip of materialism in your life. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot. He didn't say you should not. He said you cannot serve both God and money. Can't have two gods in your life. You have to decide who and what is most important to you, being rich or serving God. Is God more important in my life or is money more important in my life. But fighting materialism is, it's almost a daily challenge in this consumer driven culture of America, where we are daily, daily bombarded with messages that tell us that our net worth, our net worth is equal to our self worth, but it is simply not true. Bombarded by messages on TV and the internet that tell me I have to have this car or I have to have this house or I have to wear these kinds of clothes or I've got to have that kind of a job if I'm going to be considered successful. I mean, there's so many things I never knew I needed until I watched TV commercials. And I said, Jackie, have you seen this new vegetable slicer? We have to have that. I mean, life cannot go on without this new slicer. You're coming, just stay with me. You're coming. I'm talking to my trainer over here. So in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, verse 17, Paul writes to his son in the faith who's pastoring the church in Ephesus. He says, Timothy, what, 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 what's the first word? Command. Pastor Kendall, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, you know, 2020, it, we, we're not allowed to command people anymore. I mean, I mean, that's really just not considered, you know, socially, politically, ethically right. Who are you to command me to do anything? But 2,000 years ago, Paul told Timothy, command those who are rich. And of course, well, immediately so many of you say, oh, I'm off the hook now because 
I am not rich. Well, if you make 32,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. 32,000. So I'm guessing that covers most of us here and most of us watching online today. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, but to put their hope in God, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you know God wants you to enjoy life? He gave us things to enjoy. Oh, I thought I had to always be sober and, you know, downcast and, and, and being spiritual. And, 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 and you know, just, just life has got to be miserable for me to be more godly. What? Where did you read that? God's given us everything we need for our enjoyment. Verse 18. Uh, what's the first word again? I'm just trying to do what the Bible tells me to do, loved ones. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be what? Generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, do you want to be rich in this present life and poor for all eternity? Or generous in this life and rich for all eternity. Four times Jesus says to store up treasure in heaven. Four times. Newsflash. He's not talking about money. He's talking about the only thing we can take to heaven with us. And that is people. And the more we resist materialism, the more we resist the temporary materials of this temporary life, and the more we invest in the ministry of God's eternal kingdom at work here on earth, the more people will be able to take, the more people we will be able to take to heaven with us. That is the life that is truly life. And that is why we generously give, generously give $2 million a year to support 600 plus missionaries to take the gospel around the world because we want the world to know there's a savior and his name is Jesus and he can forgive them and heal them and take them to heaven for all eternity. But we cannot do that if we are all wrapped up in ourselves here and now. So let me ask you, how many people are gonna be in heaven because of the way you invested your money here. Or as Jesus says in one of the gospels in Luke's, how many friends are you going to have in heaven? I'm going to have thousands of friends in heaven because I chose to invest in his kingdom instead of this earthly kingdom. I chose to invest in his kingdom instead of my kingdom. Generosity is the great cure for materialism. Last one. Generosity demonstrates... The law of reciprocity. Now there are many kingdom principles taught in the scriptures and one of them is this law of reciprocity. We also know it as the law of the harvest or the law of sowing and reaping. A law that we see in action, especially in the area of giving and generosity, though it is a law that is frequently misunderstood. Now there are a lot of passages, again, so many passages that helped to make this point. Let me give you two from the Old Testament and two from the New Testament, and we're close to done. Notice I didn't say we're done. I said we're close to done. <laughs> Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. 
in the message read like this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. You want your life to be expanded? You want your influence to be expanded? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy. We'll be giving an altar call for the stingy today. All right, so stay with us. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. One more from the Old Testament, one that some of you know, and then others, they just kind of, when they get to Malachi 3, they just whoop, they jump right over that chapter and just get right into the New Testament. Here's what we read, Malachi 3.10. God says, bring the whole tithe. What is the tithe? 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? In that time, it was the temple. Today, it's applications, our place of worship wherever we worship. And why, why, you know, the thing, God's kind of smart. I mean, he's kind of smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to take care of 27 things at one time. So he's not only teaching us about giving, but he's also teaching us, this is how we take care of the ministry. This is how we advance the kingdom. So you bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What's he talking about? Bacon and eggs? No, no. As much as I like bacon and eggs, but no. He's talking about meeting the needs of the ministry. That's why we give. And that's why, that's why the Lord's tithe is given to the place where we worship on a regular basis, where we are fed on a regular basis. You know, some people get super spiritual on me. I mean, there's just so much more spiritual than me. I just have a hard time keeping up with them. But, but you know, well, Pastor, you know, I don't really feel like, you know, I need to tithe to the church. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of give, I spread it around. I spread, don't want to put all my eggs in one basket, somebody told me one time. And, and, uh, and uh, I said, well, but you come here every week. You worship here every week. When you're in the hospital, we come visit you. When your children are born, we dedicate them to the Lord. When your kids get married, we marry them. When you die, we bury you. But you're spreading it all around to who? Call Joe Osteen and see if he'll come do your funeral. And I love Joel Osteen. Joel, that was not a shot at you, I promise, I promise. Can I really get, I mean, if that wasn't enough, let me really get personal here. Let me, let me, if you're, let's say you're a painter and if you're a painter today, I, I, this was not, uh, I didn't do any uh, uh, research and uh, not, the sermon is not directed to you unless it is directed to you. But I mean, (laughs) you go paint someone's house and you're kind of standing around after the job is done and you're kind of, you're waiting for something, you know, you're waiting for a paycheck and the guy comes out, the only house comes out and he goes, you know. I got a friend who's a painter too, and he really needed the money this week. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the money. It wouldn't work that way. In fact, it doesn't work that way for you. There's not a person here who would go to work every day and not expect a paycheck from where you labor. Can I tell you, it's no different for supporting the ministry, which to get very personal means supporting the pastors who carry out the ministry. Doesn't work that way. Some of you, you like to go to and eat at McDonald's, but then as you're leaving, you tell them, well, I'll pay over at Burger King. <laughs> the apostle Paul said, those who preach the gospel are to live of the gospel. Yeah. Well, pastor, we're not, we're, we shouldn't pay these exorbitant things that pastors make. I, I, I won't take, I don't want anything exorbitant. I'll take whatever you're getting. 
Whatever you're making is good for me. I mean that, truly. So enough on that. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be, see how quiet it got, Pastor Charles? But I'm telling you online, they're jumping up and down and saying, preach, Pastor, preach. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Only place in the Bible he says to test him. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Let's get into the New Testament where Jesus says in Luke 6, 38, give. It's a command. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Or how about 2 Corinthians 9, 6, which says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. All of those passages making the point that generosity demonstrates the law of reciprocity. Or as we sometimes like to say, you cannot outgive God. And the reason you cannot outgive God is because he's the one who established this law. He's the one who established this biblical principle. But what's even more interesting is that some people, nobody here, nobody watching online, maybe people up in East Millinocket, you know, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> nobody here, but some people appreciate this law of reciprocity in every other area of their life until it comes to the area of giving. And then they get super spiritual. For example, one objection I occasionally hear to the teaching of the scriptures I just read. And by the way, I didn't write those scriptures. God wrote those. Jesus said that. But one of the objections I hear is that, well, when you focus on those scriptures and focus on this law of reciprocity, you're teaching people to give to get. Well, there are a couple of things that need to be said in response to such an objection. First, first, why don't you apply that objection to the other spiritual disciplines as well? For example, if you don't want to do something where there would be an expectation of something in return from God, then you really should stop praying. Thank you for saying hello for me. That was a good place to put that. I mean, after all, well, I'm, I'm sure you enjoy praying because of the sheer beauty, joy, and peace of being in God's presence. I'm, I'm sure that's true. But I'm guessing that you also make a few requests of God while you're praying. Just guessing here. In other words, you're praying to get something from God. And interestingly enough, what we often pray for from God is related to money or for God's provision. God, you know what we need and you ask for his provision, which is only what Jesus said to do. Give us this day, Father, our daily bread. He said, pray and ask, pray to get something. David said in Psalm 5:3, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. And then what does he do? Wait expecting. I mean, don't even pray if you're not going to expect something in return. Well, let's apply that to the reading of God's word. Do we read it just for the sheer joy and pleasure of reading it? Of course we do. But again, we also read it because verses like Joshua 1:8 promises success if we read it and obey it. Psalm 1 promises prosperity if we read it and obey it. Psalm 119, 105, and 133 promises direction in life if we read it and obey it. So clearly we read the word of God in expectation of getting something from God. Amen. And so it is with our giving. Now to be clear, if the only reason we are giving is to get rich or get something from God, then our giving is in vain. 
But I think most of us expect to get something from God when we give. Why? Because we know he is our provider and he will always honor our trust in him. He wants us to partner with him in generosity. He wants to increase our generosity so that we can be even more generous the next time. God wants us to live a life of generosity. And I'm really not aware of any place in the Bible where God blesses stingy people. It's not there. It's not there. But all over the Bible, God says, hey, if you will get on mission with me, you can be a channel of blessing, but you've got to be willing to pass the blessings on if you want them to come your way. Being a blessing to others ought to be our motivation for generosity, for being a blessing to us is God's motivation for his generosity. God does not bless us so that we can raise our standard of living. God blesses us so that we can raise our standard of giving. Every blessing we receive from God, every blessing we receive from God is to be paid forward. All God is promising is that when we do it, more blessings will be on the way. And while we have all heard that money cannot buy happiness, researchers are now discovering that's not true. For money can buy happiness when you spend it on others. When you spend it on others. Classic example is Christmas. When you were a kid, Christmas was all about what you were getting. But once you grew up, I I said, once you grew up, let me try over here. Once you grew up, Christmas is all about giving. And our greatest joy is not what we're going to open up, but what others are going to open up that we have given to them. After all, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. All right, I'm done with this. Musicians come. I had awesome parents who pastor my wife, pastor, and, and uh, my wife and I are, are uh, third generation assemblies of God ministers, which don't mean anything uh, but special, but you know, we're thankful for the heritage. And my parents instilled generosity in me, especially my daddy. And I've told you tons of stories about that. We don't have time to do that today. But, but uh, so obviously I want to pass this on to my children and now to my grandchildren. Thus, the second grandchild is going to get in the picture today. And so wanting to teach them about generosity and teach Savona about generosity Uh, Savona loves french fries. And in particular, she loves a happy meal. And here's a picture of her with her french fries. And so, so, uh, you know, one day she's with it. Now she's three now. She was two when this happened. And, and, uh, she said, uh, Bubba, that's my name. Don't you call me Bubba. All right. Uh, That's her name for me. And, uh, she said, Bubba, I want to go get a Happy Meal and French fries. And so I asked, I checked with her mother. Yeah, that's good. So put her in the car. She's in her back car seat and go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and get her a Happy Meal. And man, she is diving into those French fries. And as, I'm, as we're driving home, I just wanted to have one. And I, I was trying to catch her when she, I was trying to steal one when she wasn't looking. And I couldn't do it. So I, I, I went back to, to grab a French fry. And she said, no, Bubba, these are my French fries. 
you know where we're going now, don't you? And I wanted to say, little sweet Savona, who's not fully redeemed from the Adamic nature yet, you know. Just, I got you those french fries. And I can take them away. I can give you a hundred more french fries. I am the source of french fries. You only have them because of me. Of course, I really didn't need her french fries in more ways than one. I could have bought myself 10 boxes of fries, but I wanted to teach my granddaughter something about sharing, which would work to counteract our natural tendency towards selfishness. And those, do you know, those are the same lessons that God wants to teach us about generosity. God does not need your money. Don't know how to tell you this. It all belongs to him anyway. It was his before you came along. It will be his once you're gone. He just loaned it to you for a while while you live here on earth. It's all his. He is the source of all fries. I'm so happy to see my nutritionist and, and fitness trainer clapping because I was sure he was going to jump up and say, Pastor, no, enough with the French fries already. <laughs> Everything we have in life is because God loves you and he's a generous God. He could take it all away in a second or he could give you a hundred times more than what you have right now. He just wants us to learn to be unselfish. And the best way to learn that important lesson is to be generous. It's to be generous. It's to be generous. And he wants you to be generous because when you are generous, you're becoming more like him. So I wonder how many right now your mouth is watering and you're heading somewhere to get French fries after, right after the service, you know. But no, thank God. He is so generous. I close with this uh, email I got from someone last year after the giving sermon, I got this email. And so if you want to be in the sermon a year from now, send me an email about how blessed you were by the message today, okay? And we'll see if we can fit it in. Pastor Tim, I walked into Calvary in October of 2016, Missions Month. I felt you made a good case for a mission, uh, a mission promise, and I trusted Karen's faith. This was a friend who invited her. I trusted Karen's faith, and I made a faith promise. That was special because it was not something I normally do. My family had financial problems when I was young. And by the way, understand just again in the whole human part of this equation, you know, if you grew up poor or, or with special, it, there's reasons why maybe you're hesitant to, to move in this area of generosity because, because again, you faced financial challenges growing up as a kid maybe. So she said, my family had financial problems when I was young, but I always worked hard and saved well. When we had children, I only worked part-time, so money was tight, but my husband and I always had what we needed. However, having enough, quote unquote, was always a stress for me. In one of your sermons, I heard you quote 1 Timothy 6, 7 and realized I came into this world with nothing and I will leave it with nothing. At that point, listen to this, at that point, I fully trusted God to take care of my needs. I gave more to the church and to other charities, which brought me so much joy. I got water baptized January 2017, and in my testimony, I stated how I had peace and did not worry anymore about having enough. At that time, I was working in the fitness industry, working crazy hours. The pay was decent, but I longed for better hours so I could serve more at Calvary and spend more time with my family. 
I continue to grow in my relationship with Christ. How many know it's important to keep growing? I continue to grow in my relationship with Christ and continue to contribute uh, time and money to Calvary. Then in June of 2018, so about, a mu- uh, about six, uh, 18 months have gone by now. Then in June of 2018, at a road race, God gave me the joy of running, I bumped into the owner of the software company that I used to work at. She said she wanted me to come back to work for her. I hadn't been in the software industry for 22 years. So I went for a few interviews and I got the job and it, all capital, and it doubled my salary and all capital and gave me a more normal schedule so I could spend time with my family and volunteer more. I now give freely because, because, because God showed me he wants to bless others through me and he will always give me what I need. Hallelujah. And God just keeps giving because her husband will be baptized next Sunday. Isn't God good? And isn't God generous? Amen. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me for a closing word of prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you ask the Holy Spirit today what he's wanting to say to you in this message? Really, prayerfully consider what he's saying and then just simply obey him. Whatever steps need to be taken, maybe you've got a clenched fist instead of an open hand and God has put his hands upon your hands today and wants to help you open those hands. Maybe he wants to, you to open up a stingy heart and let him fill it with a generous heart. Oh, God, help us. May God continue to help us as a congregation to be the standard bearers for what a generous church looks like, all for the glory of God. Finally, before we close, let me ask if there's one within the hearing of my voice, online or here in person, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you gave your life, surrendered your life to Christ years ago, and somewhere along the way you lost your way, but today you'd like to come back to Jesus, or today you'd like to open your heart to Jesus. And you'd say, Jesus, come into my heart today. He is the most generous gift of all, the greatest gift, the greatest act of generosity known to mankind is the gift of Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't want you to go through life and I really don't want you to face eternity without Jesus. If you'd say yes to Jesus, if you'd invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life right now, I'd like to pray with you and for you. I promise I won't call you out, I won't embarrass you, but would you slip your hand up real high and put it down that I might see it and pray for you right now. God bless you, God bless you, thank you. Anyone else, I'm gonna stay on the ground level for a moment. God bless you, I saw your hand, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else on ground level, anyone else today, Jesus, I open up my heart, come into my heart, be Lord of my life. Up to the balcony, anybody in the balcony, put it up real high so I can see it today. Anyone in the balcony today, Jesus, I open up my heart and soul to you. Online, you're watching online, stay with us. Say, Pastor Tim, I don't, I don't need to raise my hand. Well, not for me, you don't, but you know, there, you, you probably need to raise that hand for yourself in an act of humble, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Do it right now with you as I pray. Father God, thank you for these hands that have been raised, raised hands that represent open hearts. 
Come in your power, your glory, and your grace to change these lives, Jesus. Change them forever. Change them forever, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, seal upon their heart the magnitude of the decision they make this very moment and help them to understand that you desire to walk with them now for the rest of their life. Jesus, help them. Help them. Help them today, I pray. And now, Lord, again for all of us, may our hearts be drawn closer to you because of our exposure to your word today. May your name be glorified and your kingdom advanced in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us this week on Calvary's podcast. Be sure to visit our website, calvarychristian.church, to stay up to date with events, sermons, and ways you and your family can get connected within our community. We hope to see you in person or online at one of our weekend services. Once again, thanks for listening in today, and we look forward to having you join us next time.